0: Today I wanna talk about the greatest topic in the whole universe, and that is the glory of God. The sermon title is, What Do We Preach? We preach the glory of God. And we will look at the life of Moses, and I think we'll get some good help uh, from him for preaching. Um, These are some of the questions we'll try to answer today. What is the glory of God? Why is it important for us to see? How do we see God's glory in His Word? How does God's glory always point us to Jesus? And how does God's glory change us? And why do we always preach about the glory of God? All right, before we get started, let's pray. Our Father God, you're awesome. Thank you for your word, Lord. Um, forgive us where we fail, you Lord. Guide us, guide my words, guide our hearts, Father. Um, awaken us to your word. Uh, let it do what you wanted to do, Lord. And we trust you for that. We ask you to come join us, Lord, and, and uh, show us your glory today and transform us. Help us to to be able to um, to worship you better today than we did yesterday, and. Also, Lord, that we might share you better today than we did yesterday with others. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get into the body of the sermon, I wanted to uh, briefly talk about how the glory of God comes to us as believers. And uh, I'm sure you you know this, but it, it's a foundational truth, I think, that we need to lay down. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the Apostle Paul says how God, quote, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, so yes, we first see the glory of God in Jesus. Then, for the rest of our life, we see more and more of God's glory. How? In the same way, through Jesus. In Ephesians 3.8 Paul, being a preacher himself, says this to me, though I am the very least um, of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I believe all these unsearchable riches are of the glory of God that, that tell us who he is and uh, how to be like Him, all these glories of God in Christ. Uh, that, But we first have to see them, and only then can we preach them or, or share them with others. And so that's what we do our whole life long. All right, today we're going to look at five things from the life of Moses that can help us in, in seeing more God's glory and, and help us in preaching about Jesus, from God's word. we'll begin in Exodus uh, 33 verse 18. and um, but first, you know, who, who was this man called Moses? Moses was was born an Israelite in Egypt, brought up in the house of Pharaoh. Remember God um, called Moses from a burning bush to deliver Israel from slavery, in Egypt where they had lived for over 400 years it was through Moses that God brought ten devastating plagues upon Egypt they were afflicted with pestilences and boils and and hellstones giant hailstones fell from heaven finally after the death of, of every firstborn in Egypt the Pharaoh let the children of Israel go and the waters of the Red Sea parted back as Moses led the children of Israel across on dry land and through the wilderness toward the land of Canaan, the promised land. So here's the setting for today's text. Moses had been on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Um, he had uh, been receiving the Ten Commandments from God and spending time with God and talking with God. And when Moses came down from the mountain, The children of Israel had fashioned a golden calf and were worshiping it, calling it Lord and saying that it had delivered them out of Egypt, out of bondage. Um, They were worshiping this golden calf. And Moses was, of course, heartbroken. And he, he broke the tablets. And then he spent some time dealing with Israel. And their sin, he also made intercession for them and he prayed for them. Moses was about to go back up on the mountain the very next day to be with God 40 more days and receive the Ten Commandments again. But before he did, um, he was praying to God the day before. And that's where we will begin and where we will look at the first lesson, we can learn from Moses today. Exodus thirty-three eighteen. 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. Let's pause here for just a moment. What a wonderful thing to pray. Even to pray every day. I mean, this, this verse has been a life changer for me. And uh, i prayed it so many times. Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory, Lord. And this is a great memory verse for you. It's easy. A good memory verse to teach your children and, and also a good prayer. Let's say the verse together. Moses said, please show me your glory. Exodus thirty-three eighteen. 18. Amen. But Moses had already seen much of God's glory. As we said, think of all he witnessed in, in at the burning bush and then in Egypt with all the miracles and in, in the plagues. And, and then so far through the wilderness, even through the Red Sea parting. And, but Moses wanted to see more. He needed to see more of God's glory. He needed God and the first thing I think we can learn from the life of Moses is this. Moses was desperate. And using the word please, Moses puts an emphasis on his request. You see, God had recently called Israel a stiff-necked people. They were a bunch of rebellious sinners. They were grumblers, and they worshiped the golden calf, Instead of God. And but although God would still keep his promise to bring them to Canaan, he had said he would not go up among them. And, and so Moses, um, he was surrounded, right, by sinful, selfish people who had a lot of trouble trusting God. Um, and so he desperately, if he was going to carry out the work of the Lord, he desperately needed God's help. He needed God's presence to be there with him. And he said, please show me your glory. So as preachers, as believers, we must be desperate for God. We too are living in a broken world surrounded by sin. We cannot see God's glory with our own intellect. Um, We, in our own power, will fall into the sins that are around us. Every day we should be desperate to call out to God, asking him to show us more of himself. Um, but that begs the question, what is glory? If we're going to ask God to show us his glory, um, we should know what glory is, right? So what is Glory. Did you know that God gives a type of glory to people and things? In Matthew 6, uh, Jesus says how Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of the lilies of the field. And in 1 Corinthians 15 41, Paul talks about the glory that that God gave the heavens. And he says this There is one glory of the Son and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory." And so, the glory of all these things, it seems to be their their personal differences, right, in their characteristics and attributes that tell us about them. They, They tell us who, in the case of Solomon, or what they are, in the case of the others. Um, So that seems to be what glory is. The things that tell us about something or someone. So then, what is God's glory? Well, this is the second thing we'll learn from Moses' life. And we will see the answer more clearly in how God responds to Moses' request. And so in verse 19, God begins telling Moses what he's going to show him the very next day um, after he finishes his prayer and when he goes back up onto the mountain for 40 more days. And notice how in God showing Moses his glory, he's telling him all about himself, who he is. Let's begin. Verse 19, God begins his response to Moses. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So goodness is a characteristic of God, right? This is who God is. He is good. In this world where everything is connected to brokenness and all things die and rust and decay, where relationships are messy and tough because of sin, where nobody, not Adam, not me, not you, are good, nobody's good, everything around us is broken, the whole universe, and still we can trust that God is good. And guess what? The glory of God shown in his goodness is the first attribute we hear about God, and it points us directly to Jesus. In what way? Well, Jesus was the only man who was perfectly good. Um, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is a death. But Jesus didn't have to die. Um, because he didn't have any sins that, to be paid for, right? Because he's good. So he alone was, was able to take the wages due us for our sin on the cross. He became sin for us and he gives us his righteousness or he gives his goodness to all who believe in him. So um, then on the third day, of course, he, he arose from the grave and he defeated death itself. And so we preach the glory of God in his goodness and it points us directly to Jesus Okay, and so God continues to tell Moses how he will show him his glory on that the next day when he goes on the mountain. Verse 19, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And so in the next chapter, God actually does um, proclaim his name to Moses. And um, let me read um, a little bit of it here. Exodus 34. 6 and 7. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So in in God proclaiming his name to Moses, um, he is telling Moses quite a lot about his character and who he is. He's he's listing attributes of himself to Moses, so Moses will know God better. Um, And for us, all these attributes of God in the Old Testament they point us directly to Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at the last two, which he mentions. They might be uh, kind of difficult to uh, to rectify because they seem to contradict one another. Uh, how can they both be true? Um, God forgives iniquity, and yet He always punishes the guilty. How can these both be true? Well, you and I are both guilty because we're both sinners. Um, our sin, therefore, it says will not go unpunished. And yet, as believers, we know that we are forgiven. And uh, that's how this points us to Jesus, because he took the punishment for our guilt. Uh, he did not have any guilt that needed to be paid for, as we said, so he could take our guilt. And he did. Uh, And so God does both of these things through Jesus. And he is still a just God. All right. So that's what we preach, the glory of God, that we learn from his name and all his attributes. and, And they always point us to Jesus Christ. Uh, And so God continues his answer to Moses, still in verse 19. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So what does this say about God? God is sovereign. And this is a foundational truth of knowing who God is. Um, He is God, right? And he has the say-so in everything. Um, I like this verse, Psalms 4. 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Um, But but how does this point us to Jesus, God being sovereign? Well, one way is that God was sovereign to choose us to know him in Christ Jesus um, before the foundation of the world. Without doing good works, without ever seeking God, he, he was the one that chose us. I mean, we were born out of fellowship with God, and we don't come to the light because our deeds are evil. Um, but he chose us before the foundation of the world. God is sovereign. And, and so we do. We preach God's glory And Jesus and how God is sovereign. He is the one that awakens our eyes to see him as good news and to see his beauty. And so God continues answering Moses, verse 20 through 23. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. All right. What does this tell us about who God is? And how does it point us to Jesus? Well, I believe God here is describing his holiness or or rather the fullness of his glory shown in his character and his attributes. You see, it was not only one of God's attributes that passed by Moses um, when, when God covered him in the cleft of the rock, but it was God himself that passed before Moses, all of God. Um, how many of you have ever eaten a Reese's peanut butter cup candy bar? Uh, the advertisement says it's two great tastes that go good together. And I would agree with that. I like chocolate and peanut butter and they taste better when they're together. Um, but that's the opposite of how it is with God and sinful man. We were created in God's image for his fellowship, but, uh That image got distorted when we chose sin. Um, Man and God, sinful man and God, do not go good together at all. Um, A sinful creature cannot see God's face and live. Um, Notice how Moses couldn't even be in God's presence without being covered. And Adam and Eve also knew they needed to be covered after they sinned. Remember, they, they first used Big leaves to cover themselves, but then God covered them with uh, animal skins, which I think was the first death uh, recorded in history. And, uh, and I think also the first sacrifice. People began sacrificing uh, for, to God after this, and in order to point to the, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ that would take away our sins on the cross. And so God's glory seen in his holiness his, in all of his righteous character together. It does point us to Jesus because we can only come into God's fellowship if we're covered in the righteousness of Jesus, uh, because he spilt his blood for us on the cross. And so that's what we preach. God, the glory of God revealed in his holiness and it points us to Jesus. And and now, the number three thing we learn about Moses is that in the presence of God, Moses was transformed. The very next day after Moses prayed his prayer, he went back up on the Mount Sinai for 40 more days. And God showed him his glory. And we will pick up as he's coming back down from the mountain after 40 days in Exodus 34, 29 And here's what it says. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. So this is the first uh, time we see God uh, transform the skin on Moses' face. Um, And then also we are introduced all of a sudden to an article of clothing, rather, uh, rather a veil, and the text emphasizes three ways that Moses used it. We'll look at this briefly here. You know, in the wilderness, a veil would have come in quite handy on, on many occasions. Uh, it, for one, it would help veil out the sun from, from your eyes, uh, or even from sand blowing in your eyes. So now, the fourth thing we learn from Moses is uh, in how he used the veil for seeing more of the the glory of God and in preaching God's word. All right. Exodus 34, 34. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, He would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. All right. Well, what spiritual help can we get for preaching from how Moses used the veil? in these three ways. Well um, he removed his veil before God first and what? Uh, how could we learn something spiritual from that All right, for ourselves? We know that uh, children can be experts sometimes at veiling out their parents' words uh, if they're watching TV or playing outside or doing whatever they want and they don't even hear when the parents um, call their name And we can just as easily veil out God's word when we're reading his words. We can only hear what we want to hear. Um, Some people read God's word and and they veil out repentance from salvation. No, you know, we cannot keep sin as, as our treasure in life and still say that we love and believe in God um some people read God's word and say I have faith that God wants me to be rich or or they say a believer's life will be easy with with no persecution no 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 we cannot veil out Hebrews 11 where Christians were sawed into mm-hmm. for for just standing up for God for following God no brothers this reminds me um of why I'm so honored um, to be able to preach to you. There are so many of you out here. Um, um, you you face the possibility of persecution on a regular basis. Um, and God chose you in his sovereignty to be where you are in the world. Um, you're like Esther, uh, that, that, uh, that you were born at at this ordained time in history and this great land that you live in for the glory of God to point others to Jesus. And I just am honored to be able to, uh, to be in your presence in your fellowship. And so, no, no, we do not veil out how God said he would, uh, he would be with us to the end of the world and throughout eternity and, and give us his joy and his peace and all we need even here, you know, an inheritance of adoption and immeasurable riches, uh, in God's presence forever, accepted by God, uh, in His fellowship. And so, and so, no, Moses did not veil out God's word. Um, number two, Moses kept his veil off when he, he shared God's word with others. And how do I preach then, with with uh, unveiled faith? Well, um, all those same promises from God that He showed us with, with unveiled face, all those same warnings. We we don't veil them out to others. We preach the truth of God uh, uh, about divorce, right, adultery, abortion, pornography, mind fantasies. We don't just tell people what they want to hear. Homosexual lifestyle, gossip, more. Even in these commands uh, against evil, we're seeing the glory of God, because we're learning his nature and we're, we're seeing the things that he hates, right? In 2 Corinthians chapters 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul makes references back to the very things we've been talking about, about how Moses used the veil. Um, and in, in chapter 4, verse 2, He's, uh, he says that, no, we won't veil out God's word to others. He says it like this. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. And, and so we too are, are to, to preach God's word unveiled to others. And, and then finally, Moses, he put his veil back on when he went back into the world. What might this mean for us? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can read this on your own. Paul says how we must not walk in sin. You see, it must be veiled out from our heart. You know this truth. I mean, just as God's glory transforms us, uh, sin can transform us and disfigure our heart in, in horrible ways. So like... Like Forrest Gump, we run, don't we? We run from sin on our smartphones, on the internet, the people we hang out with, the thoughts in our mind. We veil out the TV. Sometimes we turn the channel. Sometimes we turn the TV off. Uh, Sometimes we should just unplug the TV. And I don't know, maybe Elvis Presley had the right idea. It is said that he one time actually shot his TV. But no matter what it is that causes us to sin, if our TV or anything else, we, we, we veil it out. And that's what Moses did. He put his veil back on when he, when he went into the world. And before I close, I want to go back to the first way that Moses used the veil. For a few moments, I think it's very important. When Moses went before God, remember he, he removed his veil. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is exactly what Paul is referring to. And this is the second verse that has been a life changer for me that I want to share with you and challenge you to memorize. Here's what it says. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, uh, yes, uh, with unveiled face before God, like Moses, God transforms us. And within this verse is something I call the principle of associated glory. And here's the definition I gave it. We pick up attributes and characteristics of people or things that we associate ourselves with um, if we do not veil them out. In other words, we, we become like the things that we're around if we don't veil them out. Um, Proverbs 13, uh, thirteen twenty says it like this whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. Um, this this principle is seen throughout the world, but when it when God does it spiritually, it's like a miracle from heaven. Um, In the world, we we know that if we travel and if we move to another area of the country, if we don't pay attention, we we pick up their accent. So we pick up one of the characteristics of the glory, you might say. Um, Here's another good example. It's a personal example. Remember how Paul already told us that the sun has glory? Um, Here's an example of that. It was in October 1976, that's like, wow, 43 years ago this very month. It was snowing in Dodge City when we left. My my best friend and I, we had saved our money for vacation. We went uh, to Hawaii, and uh, it it was a graduation senior trip. Uh, Of course, it was not snowing in Hawaii, I still have my down jacket on, I, I felt kind of out of place. But the first um, day we were there, we laid out on the, the beach in the sun for like four hours or more. And I don't think we veiled out the sun. To the best of my knowledge, we didn't put any suntan lotion on. So, um, yes. Do you think the, the glory of the sun transformed us? Yes. We picked up many of its characteristics. Um, we became something uh, burning hot. We felt like we were on fire. We turned red. Um, yeah, uh, our skin changed. It's kind of like Moses' skin was changed in the glory of God, but but ours changed in a very bad way that really actually transformed our whole trip. Um, so yes, the principle of glory proves true in the world. Now, um, before we close, I, I want to give you one spiritual example. Um Consider two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, who had spent much time with Jesus, and they continued to walk close to Jesus. And um, in Acts 4, they were in Jerusalem talking about Jesus and bragging on him, holding him up, preaching about him. And uh, in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So spending time with Jesus and his glory, it changes us also. It changed Peter and John. It'll change you and me. And only then can we go and share that glory with others so that they too might see the glory of God in Jesus. And so and now and finally in closing, remember how we began with Moses praying to God uh, what did Moses say? Please show me your glory. And God did. But he did not show Moses all of his glory. Um, he didn't tell him all of he, who he was. Moses and us are similar in this way, that God shows us more of his glory throughout our whole life. Uh, there's always more of God's awesomeness to see um, So it's all about God. I mean, we want to point to him in everything. And only in that do we find joy, only in his greatness. The the number five thing we will see about Moses is this, that he humbly sought to see God's glory all the way through to, to the end, throughout his whole life. Some preachers act like they know it all, not Moses. We should never think like that. The Bible teaches us that Moses was a great leader, but that he was the most meek man in the whole world. Um, let's learn that lesson from Moses. Um, so in, in, in Deuteronomy 3:24, now at the end of Moses' life before he dies, he cries out to the Lord and he says, This: O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness. In your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or, or on earth who can do such mighty, uh, such work, works and mighty acts as yours? So, after all the glory of God that he had shown Moses throughout his life, Moses still wanted to see more of God's glory. And so, you and I are learning that same lesson Moses taught us at the beginning. Always be desperate to know God better, and if we know Him better, we will be able to worship Him better ourselves and we'll be able to share Him better with others. So, be, let's all be desperate to be like, um, be like Jacob. Remember, Jacob, who wrestled with God, he wanted the blessing God had for him. Uh, may we. Persevere to the end. Keep on keeping on. Keep digging for more riches of Christ. Don't pause. Don't look back. Don't take a vacation from Jesus. Um, That would be a bad vacation. But continually look to Jesus as our great prize, lest the temptations of the world overcome us and lead us away from the best treasure in the universe. Uh, In desperation, uh, you know, approach God's word with an unveiled face. Um, And we don't interpret God's word based on our experiences, our dreams, our insights, our worldly proverbs that sound good in one uh, context or another. Um, I have a friend um, who uh, came to to God uh, because of a dream. Um, And that was great. It matches up with scripture. Um, But we only... You know, we don't interpret God's word based on our dreams or our experiences. We only proclaim uh, those truths that that God enlightens us to that are backed up in context with his word, verified and confirmed um, by his Holy Spirit. Then, as God has shown us his glory and his greatness, his awesomeness, all the attributes of his holiness, uh, as we learn them, we go and preach them to others. We go share his glory with others. Um, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for for uh, showing us your word today, telling us about who you are, and may your word um, not return void, but do its work in our lives. Awaken us, Lord, to see your glory, that we might be able to worship you better today and, and, and share you better today than we did yesterday, Lord. Um, your, your glory from your word through your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to, 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 to always um, uh, use this template, for, Lord, and not be distracted by the, the, the claims of the world and let them influence us, Lord. Um, do your work in our lives and help us to share uh, your joy, Lord, uh, with others, Lord. Thank you for, for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.